Welcome to In the Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. This has been an election year like no other, both around the county and around the country. Here, we'll explore issues important to Frederick County voters, from third-party candidates to overcrowded roads and classrooms to presidential politics. I'm Danielle Gaines, here with my co-host, Andy Schatz. Hello. And we are In the Booth. Glad Hill Furniture is the only place you need to visit. Save big by taking half off all leather furniture store-wide. And this month, you can also take advantage of 24 months 0% financing. Stop by and visit one of our expert design consultants and get luxury for less. Ami Hober cut her teeth in politics at the Pentagon. In the 1980s, she served as Deputy Undersecretary of the Army under President Ronald Reagan at a time when few women worked such jobs. Hober thinks her experience in national security and defense will be a benefit in the U.S. House of Representatives, where she's challenging the seat of 6th District Representative John Delaney. Hober has been selected by the National Republican Congressional Committee as one of 17 candidates nationwide who have the best chance to defeat a Democratic incumbent in November. Hober still works as a defense consultant and says she will be an advocate for small government and small business owners if she's elected. She joined us in the booth to talk about her campaign. Um, Welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, You know, probably not all of our listeners or readers have had a chance to meet you before, so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, My background is primarily in national security. I'm a national security expert. I've worked on that all my life, working on keeping our country safe. Uh, I was President Ronald Reagan's Deputy Undersecretary of the Army in both his administrations, and I am looking for this job in order to help keep our country safe. And you've worked in and around government for a while now, as you stated. Um, Why run for Congress, or why now? Why now is because I think our national security posture is in bad shape, and I think I have the expertise to help Congress improve it. I've also got a small business background. I've had my own small business for more than 22 years, and I think we need some serious attention paid to reducing the number of regulations that hamper the growth of small business in this district. This year's presidential election has been very divisive, um, largely along party lines, but some ideological lines, too. Uh, If you were to be seated in Congress, it would be a very divided Congress as well. How do you see being able to work in that kind of environment? I don't think it's very different from working in the Pentagon in that sense. It's a large, uh, systematic effort to govern the country. Uh, I have worked across party lines before. Uh, When I was in the Pentagon, I worked with both sides of Capitol Hill to get things passed. I think I can do that again. I think one does that by creating relationships with people so that you can talk to them about issues without um, anger or stalemates. Just staying on the presidential election for a moment, uh, can you talk about how much you support having Donald Trump as president and why? I am a loyal Republican. I pledged at the beginning of this election season that no matter how it came out, I would support the party ticket. I stand by my pledge. I'm an honorable person, and I will support the current party ticket. Is that an 
an all-or-nothing proposition? Do you have any reservations about having him? I have reservations. There are things that Donald Trump has said that I am not happy with. There are things he's done that I'm not happy with. But I believe it's better than the alternative. And as I said, I stand on my honor to uh, stand by my pledge. Um. The district you're running for is obviously very vast, and a lot of the residents within that district are, you know, very different from your neighbors in Potomac. So what are you doing to understand the different issues in different parts of the district? Primarily spending time. I spend almost a day every week in every one of the five counties that's in the district. Uh, I care about the people. I get out there and walk the streets and knock on doors in neighborhoods. I want to touch as many of my potential constituents as possible, and I think I'm doing very well at that. Uh, I spend lots of time here in Frederick, for example. I've been here three times this week already, uh, and I go out to Hagerstown regularly. I go out to Cumberland regularly, and I stop at all the little towns and talk to the people on the streets. What are the types of things that you're learning? They're concerned about jobs. They're concerned about national security. They're concerned about what's happening in our country in terms of divisiveness today. Uh, and I, I listen to their concerns and I talk to them. Uh, the people in each county have different sets of interests and concerns. And frankly, I find this absolutely fascinating to see the variety of viewpoints in the district. I am thoroughly enjoying meeting all the wonderful people that I'm meeting. What are a few things specific to Frederick County that you've learned during your time campaigning? The primary one is the transportation infrastructure problem, dealing with the 270 um, traffic jams every day is a major concern here in Frederick. There's also concerns about local issues. Uh, there are school board issues. There's the issue of the hotel downtown. Um, I'm learning a lot about those sorts of things as well. I spent a day uh, last week, uh, four hours last week, riding along with one of the police people um, so I could get a view of how the police see Frederick and how that sort of thing works. I've been w talking to Sheriff Jenkins about the problems from his perspective um, and the problems of dealing with you know, illegal immigration here, um, his views on how to handle that. Um, I've been very impressed with the way this city and this county are handling their own problems, but we do need the federal help and we need the help from Governor Hogan, uh, particularly on the transportation issue. Uh, following up on that, I mean, do you have any ideas for improving some of those transportation bottlenecks that we experience up here? Well, uh, independent ideas, uh, I think we need to uh, continue to apply monies, uh, both federal and state monies, to solving the problem. Uh, Hogan allocated $40 million just recently to working on I-270 improvements, and I'd like to see that continue. Uh, that's a real reason why I think that Governor Hogan and I can work well together because uh, I will help him with the federal approach to the transportation infrastructure improvements here. What specifically do you think should happen with 270? Well, specifically, I do think we ought to go to three-lane minimum on each side. Uh, I understand some of the problems about dealing with the access to the land to do that, 
Uh, I think we need to relook that issue and try and get additional lanes. I do think we do need to emphasize um, you know, community-type transportation things, whether it's an extension of Metro or MARC or one of the other group transportation efforts. Uh, but I also think we do need to actually widen the road. Do you ride Metro or MARC yourself? I ride Metro myself. I have not ridden MARC, in all honesty. Uh, I have not gone anywhere that Mark goes. Mm-hmm. And what? Ab- and let's talk a little bit about Metro. What do you think uh, needs to be done to solve some of the um, the major issues that it's facing right now? I think the major issue is essentially financial and essentially um, repair and maintenance. It has not been maintained well. It is an old uh, system. I remember the first day that it opened in the Washington metropolitan area. It was quite some time ago. Uh, It needs considerable maintenance. It needs better management. I think the management has clearly improved in the last few months. I think they are handling the piece-by-piece shutdown and repair work very well. I would like to see them extend it to areas such as more towards Frederick than they do today. It it stops in Shady Grove, and we ought to think about whether um, an extension would make sense. There's been some rumblings lately from legislators who think maybe this shutdown has been too intrusive, that it could uh, scale back a little bit, maybe be more selective. Um, Anybody who goes to an event in D.C. can not depend on Metro necessarily to get home. Do you think that there's room to pull it back, or is this a good approach? I think the current approach appears to be working pretty well. Uh, I am not an engineer. I am not sure whether the maintenance and repair work could be done in different chunks than it is today, Uh, but I think they are announcing the shutdowns of the segments well enough in advance that, yes, of course, it causes some interference in people's lives, but I think if you do know ahead of time, and they seem to be being very transparent about this, that you can work around it. You talked a little bit about riding around with um, the police agencies here in Frederick. Um, on the state level, there have been a number of uh, major criminal justice reforms in the past year. Um, do you think that there are federal reforms that are needed to the justice system? I think so. I think we need to rethink our incarceration processes for drug addicts. I think there are reasons why we need to consider a federal program to substitute um, more recovery work, more treatment work uh, than simply incarceration. Uh, And I think that will have to be done at a federal level to some extent because it's very expensive and we'll need you know, grant programs and things like that. So that's certainly one reform I would consider. Mm-hmm. Do you think the federal government is doing enough to help fight um, heroin opioid addiction? No, I would do more. I would propose more. I think we, as I said, I think we need more treatment uh, options for the addicts who wish to recover. I think we need um more controls on the medical profession's prescription policies. Uh, We need to have some review of the doctor's prescription patterns. Uh, I think we need to reduce uh, the number of prescriptions that are written or the controls that are placed on those prescriptions. 
You also mentioned speaking with Sheriff Jenkins about illegal immigration. What do you see as uh, a good approach toward that problem? Well, I think the first thing we have to do to handle illegal immigration is to close the borders um, and to have border control. And in this instance, for example, uh, my opponent has voted against supplying uh, Humvees and night vision goggles to the border guard, and I think that's a mistake. I think we need to beef up the border guard rather than reduce their effectiveness and control the borders. Um Sticking on the topic, I guess, of drugs, do you think that the federal government should legalize marijuana? I think that's been handled state by state, and I think that's a state issue rather than a federal government issue. And um, another criminal justice topic, um, what do you think about the efforts in Maryland and Virginia to restore voting rights to people who have been convicted of felonies? I think law-abiding people who have proven themselves after their incarcerations uh, should be allowed to restore their voting rights. Uh, the details as to how long it takes and what sorts of processes they need to accomplish. I think they need to have uh, a record of good behavior for some length of time. I think they need to pay their taxes and uh, assume all the other responsibilities of citizenship before they can get that uh, privilege of citizenship restored. As we approach the 15th anniversary of 9-11, do you think the country is now safer and why? No, I do not. I think the country is less safe on almost on an everyday basis. We have numerous enemies in the world. We have been, I believe, uh, lulled into complacency over things such as the Iran agreement, which I think is one of the more dreadful things that has uh, been agreed to by the United States in decades. Uh, we have to deal with that. We have the problems of North Korea, which in the last month has threatened to put a nuclear weapon on Washington, D.C. more than once and is credibly capable of doing that. Uh, we're going to deal with China in the long run that is clearly a threat in the southern Pacific area. And Russia is resurging. Since 9-11, uh, Russia has gotten much stronger and much more aggressive, in particular, uh, all of their invasion of Ukraine and taking over the Crimea uh, Peninsula. Uh, I would be concerned about all of those threats, to say nothing of ISIS and the terrorists, which are a whole different level of threat. H how does Congress deal with some of those issues? I mean, you're, you have hundreds of people and a lot of those decisions that you're speaking of, um, the Iran deal and some other policy issues, are dealt with at the Pentagon and in the White House. So how would you Well, see Congress voted in favor of the Iran agreement, much to my dismay. And I would certainly uh, have not voted that way, and I would certainly support any effort to um, reject that agreement today. I think that was a severe mistake. I think it was a mistake both in terms of um, national security policy overall. We are strengthening one of our enemies, and I don't think that's a good approach to the world. Uh, I think it has lost us a great deal of respect. We have given them the means to develop their capability 
um, against Israel. Uh, I, I think this is all very bad. Now, the basic power of Congress is the power of the purse. And so Congress essentially influences what the Pentagon does by its budget um, authorities. How would you change the Pentagon's budget? Where do you think it needs to go up or down? I think it needs to go up. We have the smallest army we've had since 1941. We have the smallest navy we've had since 1918. I think this is a mistake in both of those areas. Uh, I think we have also increased our tempo. We are sending our people overseas on missions at a much faster rate and not allowing enough time for either the people or the equipment to be maintained and repaired and rested. What is your philosophy on the balance between civil liberties and some of the steps that have happened since 9-11 to uh, perhaps um, combat terrorism networks? Um, what did you think of the release of information from Edward Snowden about NSA programs? Was there anything there that concerned you? Uh, I think Edward Snowden was both a criminal and a coward. I've said that before, and I feel that very strongly. What he did was criminal. Uh, what he did was damage the national security, and he was a coward for running away and not facing trial for what he had done. At least if you go back in my day to the release of the Pentagon Papers by Daniel Ellsberg, at least Ellsberg had the guts to stand trial for it, and Snowden di did not. What about the content of some of the programs, though, when maybe you were familiar with them, but was there anything in there that you thought exceeded the bounds of government? No, I think we need to have programs similar to that um, to address the issues of internal terrorism. How many internal terrorist attacks have we had in the last year? Uh, if we had kept those programs functional, uh, we might have been able to stop some of those. Um, to discuss the issue of base realignment and closure, yes. um, that's something that is likely going to come up soon. Um, how would you work um, to represent you know, Fort Detrick and other military installations in our area? I have been very active in supporting the military bases in Maryland all along. Uh, Fort Detrick was not threatened by the last BRAC episode. Uh, but Aberdeen and Edgewood were, and I worked with a group up there called the Aberdeen Alliance that protected Aberdeen and Edgewood and, in fact, turned them into what are called receiving bases rather than losing bases. That is, they incorporated into their base uh, missions and personnel and uh, institutional groups within the military that came from other places. For example, Fort Monmouth was closed and those facilities and personnel and missions were transferred to Aberdeen. Um, should another BRAC occur, I would like to try and do the same thing for Fort Detrick. I think there are facilities and space there that could be well used by uh, institutional groups from the military that would be leaving other bases. What federal agencies in the district do you think need more advocacy? What, and what would you do to uh, represent them? All of them. Um, I mean, I think all of the governmental 
uh, groups in the district need advocacy. You need to have somebody that knows the government both from the inside, as I do since I've worked inside government, and from the outside because a lot of government work is done by government contractors. I've been a government contractor as well as a government employee, and I would advocate for both groups. What do you think about Fort Ritchie? What's been happening there? There have been many different ideas for how to revive it, but none of them has worked so far. I, d I actually would use that facility as a potential drug rehab facility. Um, I have been up there and looked at Fort Ritchie. I think there are s some areas there that could be adequately redeveloped with that in mind. One of the issues regularly discussed in the U.S. House is the Affordable Care Act and whether or not that should be um, repealed or changed. Are there any changes that you think need to be made to that area of law? Well, I've noticed that our premiums have gone up about 28% in Maryland as a result of that act this year. Um, I would support repeal. On the other hand, repeal may take a while to accomplish because the Affordable Care Act actually destroyed the provision of medical services that we had prior to its enactment. So it may take a while to develop the right alternative. But in the meantime, I would propose two specific things. I would propose that the number of employees in small businesses be raised. Today it's 50, and when you hire your 50th employer, you become subject to all the bureaucracy and problems of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, I would raise that to 100. And secondly, I would allow cross-state lines marketplaces. Um, we have problems these days with some of the major insurance companies backing out of particular state marketplaces. If we could cross state lines to acquire our insurance, I think we would have a much more competitive situation and perhaps not have the enormous rate increases we're seeing. With Senator Mikulski deciding not to run again, it's possible in this election that Maryland could end up with an all-male delegation in Congress. D does that matter? And what types of issues are specifically important to have women um, working on them? I think it matters a great deal. Uh, and that I am not running as a woman, but I'm certainly not hiding the fact that I am one. Um, and I would hope that I would add some diversity to our Amer uh, Maryland congressional delegation. I do think it would be a mistake to have an all-male delegation. I think that the voice of women in this state deserve to have a representative. And I have worked with women all my life. Um, I am on the board of the House of Ruth, Maryland, based in Baltimore, and have been for more than a decade. I have supported women in business and in the military, and in particular in defense contracting um, all my life, because when I was young, I had no senior women mentors, and I know what it feels like to have that lack, so I felt it very important to fulfill that role for the younger women in the business today. So I think the diversity and the voice of a woman in Congress is important. And um, what are you, how do you feel about some of the 
issues that are regularly described as women's issues, um, uh, for instance, abortion or funding for Planned Parenthood, government well, funding. Personally, I think that all issues are women's issues. I think women make most of the decisions in this country that relate to their families. Uh, they make many of the financial decisions in the economy. I think there is no issue that I would call not a woman's issue. Mm-hmm. And do you think that the federal government should give funding to Planned Parenthood? I think the federal government should stay out of uh, individual life issues such as that. I am a supporter of the Hyde Amendment, uh, again, because I believe that the federal government should stay out of that issue entirely. In Maryland's last redistricting, they, uh, there are a few districts that came up with very unusual and tortured boundaries, perhaps. Yes. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on the best way to create good districts? The best way to create new districts is exactly what our governor has proposed, which is an independent commission that works on describing boundaries that make both geographic sense and uh, what population sense. Um, the concept of district is to put together people who have more common interests. Uh, I think that ought to be done. I'm fully in support of Governor Hogan's approach to this, and that's a real reason why we need to keep him in office. He's done a wonderful job so far on everything, and in particular, the whole redistricting that will have to be done after the next census. And I want him there to handle that for our state. There's always going to be this push-pull between states, um, looking at whether or not they have a Democratic majority or a Republican majority and trying to hold that in, in the House or the Senate. Um, do you think that there should be a federal solution to redistricting so that all the states would give that up at the same time? No, I don't. I believe this is, in fact, part of a state rights issue. I think states have the right to do their own redistricting in their own fashion, but I do think it needs to be fair, and I don't think that the redistricting that was accomplished here uh, at the last redistricting effort was done fairly. Mm -hmm. the, although it is a state issue, it seems that majorities in each state are, are loath to give up that power when they have it. There's been a proposal floated by another candidate of a Potomac compact, which Maryland and Virginia, as he described, it could both hold hands and jump at the same time because you have a Republican-Democrat um, balance there. What do you think of that idea? I'm not sure we actually have that sort of balance anyhow, but um, I haven't actually talked to anyone in Virginia about that matter. I would I would actually find that objectionable because I do think the state has the right of self-determination. Mm -hmm. We've touched on a lot of issues so far. Um, I'm sure we could talk all day. Are there any topics that we haven't touched on that you want to briefly discuss? Well, I think the major one that we haven't really touched on is the importance of small business and the importance that we need to grow small businesses in this state. The economics vary widely across my district between you know, what's going on in Montgomery County and what's going on in Allegheny County, for example. 
where the coal miners have been uh, devastated by the actions of this current administration. We need to figure out how to move small businesses into Allegheny County, how to revitalize that economy. Um, Hagerstown needs a great deal of revitalization as well out in um, Washington County. I was out there just yesterday um, touring some of the areas downtown that need investment and revitalization. So I think the area that we haven't covered enough today and I certainly would want to focus on is the economic regrowth of some of the areas of the district that need help. Mm -hmm. Your opponent, when he first ran for office a few years ago, used his business background as something he thought gave him an advantage. How do you put yourself out there, you said as a small business owner, in a way that shows that you have the, an, more of an advantage? I think I have a much broader background. I think I have an advantage being a small business owner and grower uh, as compared to his being a CEO of a giant company that really didn't care about individual people and individual um, uh, local growth the same way I do as a small business owner. Um, I think that his actions have been focused on large businesses and increased wealth of himself and his friends. Uh, I think what I'm focused on much more is helping the common people, um, helping the people who were, I mean, when I started my business, you know, I was young, uh, I, was, I was scared to death. I jumped off what I felt was an emotional cliff to do this with the support of my family. Uh, and, you know, I understand the, the anxiousness that goes with trying to create your own economic base. And I don't think that my opponent does. If voters wanted to learn more about your stance on small business or any other issues, uh, where should they go to get more information? Um, there is my website, which is A-M-I-E-F-O-R congress.com and I have my positions on a number of issues there another important one we didn't talk about which I just recently posted on was veterans affairs and my concern for veterans and my four-point plan for uh, some solutions to that problem uh, that was the most recent position paper I put up just this week uh, there are many other position papers on that website. There's a little bit about my own personal history. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I've raised a son and five stepsons. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff on that website for people who want to learn more. And there's also an email address there, and I'm happy to answer questions from anyone at any time. Well, great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. In the Booth is produced by Graham Cullen, Chris Sands, Jeremy Bauerwolf, and myself. Our theme music is courtesy of FNP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth. Mm -hmm.